This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware, each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. You don't have second thoughts about walking in there? Oh, I absolutely did. I sat there for probably at least 10 minutes going back and forth in my mind over the situation and the scenario. Something just clicked in my mind that pushed me towards the opposite decision that I should have made. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and this is my life of crime. Today, we begin with a letter. We who live in prison, and in whose lives there is no event but sorrow, have to measure time by throbs of pain and the record of bitter moments. That's a quote by Oscar Wilde. What inmate sends a letter with a quote from Oscar Wilde? My name is Patrick Flaherty, and I hope that this letter finds you well. Patrick Flaherty is 42 years old. He's not claiming he was an innocent man like most of the guys who write me. He says he's a forgotten man. A forgotten man. That letter just kept nagging at me. I just didn't want to be another person who forgets him. So I decided to take a trip to Missouri and the maximum security prison that just happens to be down the road from the state capitol. The name? The Jefferson City Correctional Center. So we're about two minutes away from the prison. I'm going to give you a little bit of detail. The prison is located on No More Victims Road. That's really the name of it. And Patrick Flaherty was 22 at the time. He did some really stupid crimes. And for that, he essentially is spending his life in prison. We wait for Patrick in this large room. It's the visitor center in the prison. The inmates come here to see family members, to see their kids, sometimes to eat something other than prison food. It's a very large room with high ceilings, and it's very echoey. And it's filled with these machines that sell all kinds of junk food. They're constantly on, constantly buzzing in the background. 
Now, there's an attempt to make this all look very cheery, so there are pictures of cartoon characters on the wall. But it's a bit jarring, the idea that some of the people who come in here are here for life and that they can somehow put that aside when anyone in the family comes to visit them. It's hard to believe. Oh, there's a little, little dance right now. Are you surprised to see me here? Uh, slightly, yes, ma'am. But it's surprised in a good way. When Flaherty walks into the room, I'm a little taken aback. He is not what I expected. In fact, I don't think he's what anyone would expect to see in a prison. Ohio State? Yeah, I did. How did you know I went to Ohio State? You know, inmates can't Google. Uh, You'd look up, your mom probably did. My mother did. Your mother did. Your mother researched me. My mother looked you up. He's incredibly polite. He constantly refers to me as ma'am, which makes me feel very old. He's also very thin. So when he walks in wearing this white golf shirt and acts so polite, he comes across more like a CPA than an armed robber. But in fact, that is what he is. Patrick Flaherty is an armed robber. Now, admittedly, he went in with an unloaded BB gun, and I'll explain that in a moment. But he committed four robberies over a five-month period in 1999 when he was 22 years of age. Maybe I should just let him tell you the story. Uh, it was a very difficult time in my life. I was young, and I was living on my own for the first time. I had lost my job, and I was two and a half months behind in my rent. You don't have second thoughts about walking in there? Oh, I absolutely did. I sat there for probably at least 10 minutes, going back and forth in my mind over the situation and the scenario. Like I said, something just clicked in my mind that pushed me towards the opposite decision that I should have made. Were you scared at all? Oh, absolutely. Frightened to death. I had no problems admitting that at all. It was a very scary thing to do. And I think uh, once the adrenaline got going, it was just my body was acting of its own volition, even though I hadn't made, consciously made the choice to do it, obviously. But I think once it started, the, the chain of events just kind of progressed from there. For his first robbery, Flaherty chose a familiar location. It happened to be a convenience store in St. Charles County, also in Missouri, where he actually once worked. You walked in. Tell me what happened when you walked in. I walked in. I informed the clerk. I flashed the fake gun on him and told him that just to relax and if I got the money that, you know, he wouldn't get hurt. Did you know this clerk? You had worked no, there. Did you know him at all? No, ma'am, I didn't. Did he look scared? He did. He, he absolutely was scared. did. Yes, ma'am. Didn't you at one point, like, try to tape his hands behind him? Uh, yes, ma'am. I uh, had a roll of duct tape with me, and when I realized that it, it wasn't necessary and it was probably taking too long, I just directed him to go into the bathroom, at which point he did, and then I took the money out of the register and ran out the front door. And how much money did you get for all that effort? I believe the first one was probably around $100. The total for all four was less than 500 Most people, if they did it once and got away with it, they quit. Yes, ma'am. But you didn't quit. No, ma'am. It took me longer to find a job than I had anticipated, and the bills kept 
piling up and I suppose since I did get away with it once, it probably made it easier the second time to do it. Patrick, that sounds like you're kind of making an excuse. Yes, a lot of people don't have jobs and they don't rob convenience stores. Yes, ma'am, and I completely realize that there is no excuse for it. Weeks later, Flaherty robbed a second convenience store where a clerk by the name of Cindy was working the late shift alone. I was terrified. Everything was running through my head. I, I thought I was gonna die. Cindy paints such a vivid picture of that night in September, and she told me that every year when the 16th of September rolls around, she remembers that night as clearly as if it just happened. And I was taking out the second load, and I surrounded the corner. There was a male, a man standing there with a gun. And I threw the boxes up in the air, I, you know, out of shock. And because at first when I ran the corner, I thought it was a customer till I saw the gun. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, I'm being robbed. Right then and there, I thought, this is it, I'm dead. Now remember, Cindy didn't know it was a BB gun, and she didn't know it was unloaded. She didn't know anything except a masked man had a gun on her. And what did Flaherty get for all of that trouble? $89. Two months and two more robberies, Flaherty was finally caught and charged with four counts of armed robbery and four counts of armed criminal action. You didn't go on trial, why not? I think in my mind I'd always thought that the justice system rewards individuals who take responsibility for their actions. Instead of mercy, Patrick Flaherty got hard time, really hard time. Judge Nancy Schneider sentenced him to 10 years for each of those armed robbery counts. Uh, when you hear the 10 years and the 10 years and the 10 years, it's, okay, it's 10 years, and then you hear the word consecutive, 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 and you start thinking in your mind, my God, that's, that's 40 years which was longer than I had lived at that point in my life. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Patrick Flaherty was sentenced to 40 years. He was incarcerated at the age of 22, and the very earliest he can get out is 57. They came and got me immediately and took me to the front of the jail and 
handcuffed me to the bench. And when I asked them, you know, what are you doing? What's, what's going on here? Why am I being handcuffed to the bench? They told me, oh, we're putting you on mandatory suicide watch because of your sentence. After you were sentenced to 40 years, they put you on suicide watch simply because they thought you might not be able to handle it? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. They put me in a paper suit, handcuffed me to the bench, and I sat there in the intake for 24 hours. But if there were some who thought the sentence was too harsh, at least one person in that courtroom thought it was exactly what Flaherty deserved. Cindy spoke to the court before his sentencing. I read some of her testimony from that day to Flaherty. Since the robbery, I can't go any place by myself at night. I've lost several days of work due to the robbery. I can't sleep very well. I can't go any place by myself at night because I'm afraid, and I don't see why anyone thinks they have the right to do that to people. What did you think when you heard her saying that? It's a... Uh... It's a difficult thing to know that <clears throat> that your actions impacted someone in that way. Uh, I'm obviously extremely sorry for what I did. It's it's painful to think that your actions can cause that type of hurt with someone. All right. At this point in the story, I think it's probably very easy to just write Patrick Flaherty off. In fact, you're probably wondering right now, why did I even want to meet Patrick Flaherty? What made his letters so provocative? Let me try to explain. It's not what he did that landed him in prison that interested me at all. When you work at 48 Hours, you meet plenty of criminals. I've met so many people like Patrick Flaherty. But what I found so interesting, what made me want to meet him, what made him haunt me, is what he's done since he went to prison. He actually changed his life. So far, I've earned my associates from Ohio University in a business administration. I then went on to get my bachelor's from uh, Adams State University, and along the way got my paralegal certification and my arbitration mediation certification. Uh, currently, I'm working on my MBA. It's almost too good to be true. Flaherty is also certified for Braille transcription. He was certified by the Library of Congress, and he has, since he's been in prison, helped create textbooks math books, in fact, for the blind. He was very proud to show those to us. And I taught myself off of a book how to do the math. They still use the training manual that I wrote to train individuals on how to do it. I mean, he honestly sounds like the poster boy for rehabilitation. But then it struck me as he's talking about everything that he's done with his life, that none of this, none of it, will make a difference. None of his accomplishments, his degrees, his Braille certification, his charity work, none of it will cut his time in prison. And when I look at my life and I think, I'm 42 years old. My life is defined by a mistake I made 20 years ago. And it doesn't matter what I do, 
That's the reality of the situation. You could spend another 20 years here. I could spend another 20 here. In some ways, do you think you've been forgotten? I feel like the system isn't designed to reward individuals for their efforts at rehabilitation. I had hoped to discuss Patrick Flaherty's case with the judge who actually sentenced him. Her name is Judge Nancy Schneider, and I found out that she was retired from the bench in St. Charles County, Missouri. So I thought that maybe she would talk, if not talk about that case specifically, maybe these kind of harsh sentences in general. I mean, yes, Flaherty did rob four stores, but no one was physically injured. And I was just curious what made her so sure that Flaherty had to be locked away for so long. Those were the questions I had for the judge, but unfortunately, the judge, when I reached her by phone at home, said that she does not discuss past cases. But another retired judge who knows a lot about sentencing young people and juveniles... I think it's excessive. ...did agree to talk to me. What makes you say it's excessive? You had a young man who used a BB gun, uh, which meant that his intent was not to injure. Frighten, yes. Injure, no. When you take a play gun or a BB gun to commit an armed robbery, as opposed to a real gun, your intent is to frighten the person into doing something, which is a robbery first. But your intent is not to harm someone. And here's the reason why I wanted to talk to Judge Baker. And you're going to find this difficult to believe after what you just heard her say. Just a year before Flaherty went on his crime spree with his BB gun, Judge Baker sentenced another young man. This young man's name was Bobby Bostick. He also committed armed robbery. He was younger than Flaherty. He was just 16 at the time. And unlike Flaherty, he was carrying a real gun. And that real gun was loaded. So what was the sentence that he got from Judge Baker, the one who thought that Flaherty's sentence was so excessive? Judge Baker sentenced Bobby Bostick to 241 years in prison. 241 years. When did you regret that sentence? I started regretting that sentence many years later when the studies started coming out in terms of brain development and the fact that we really should not be treating children like adults because they're not. Their brains are still forming. They're still becoming whatever it is that they're going to become. And we need to help them be the best that they can be as opposed to putting them in a cage someplace where they can, if they choose to become human, they do it on their own because otherwise we treat them like animals. Bobby chose to become a human being. Bobby chose to grow up. But despite the fact that you have spoken out for this past year, Bobby Bostick's still in prison, isn't he? Bobby is still in prison. And I don't know if Bobby's ever going to get out. I hope he does. But I'll keep on speaking out for Bobby and for all of the Bobbies out there. 
Patrick Flaherty said to us that he sat at a table once with three other people who had life sentences, and they would all get out before him. Yes. What's the fairness of this? It's not fair. It's just not fair. There is no fairness in the system. 20 years now have passed since both Bobby Bostick and Patrick Flaherty committed their robberies. Clearly, they've moved on. They've improved their lives. And that's what they want you and me to focus on. But you can't talk about second chances without asking what the victims think. And that brings me back to Cindy. Remember the convenience store clerk working the night shift back in September 1999? Every time I think about this, I end up having nightmares about it. <laughs> it's very hard not to think about, you know. Um, I have tears running down my face now just talking about it because of the, the anxiety it causes. It took me 45 minutes to walk around, walk around the corner to go into my own backyard that night. Um, it was pretty bad. Because when you get robbed, that's something you never forget. Never. And that's really no surprise. Since Judge Baker had said to us, victims never really do get over what happened to them. 20 years later, 30 years later. So what do we do with Patrick Flaherty? Should he get a second chance? I'm torn between that decision. I think I do, and I think I don't. You know, <laughs> it's a split decision. But Cindy had thought about it a lot. And then she spent more time thinking about it. And what Cindy said next stopped me in my tracks. I think if he has truly turned his life around and he's been in there for, what, 20 years now, I think he should have a, a, he should have a chance at life of getting his freedom back. Patrick Flaherty probably isn't the only person. We know he isn't the only person who's changed in prison and still remains behind bars. There were thousands sent to prison in the late 90s before judges recognized that juveniles and young people like Patrick Flaherty were too immature to recognize the true seriousness of their crimes. And more important, the fact that they had a great capacity for change. Flaherty has asked both the Missouri Parole Board and the governor of Missouri to take a new look at his case. But it's a real long shot. It's not clear if a Missouri governor has ever done that in the case of an armed robber. What keeps you going every day? Uh, without a doubt, my mother. The hopes that maybe somewhere somebody will see this who can help me, uh, whether it be an attorney or the governor or someone who I have no idea who they are. Uh, I'm just trying everything I can to get out of prison to spend time with my mother. But here's the thing. Patrick Flaherty has finally gotten his story out there. Remember, he told us that he was a forgotten man. Well, he is still incarcerated, but one thing has changed. Patrick Flaherty is no longer forgotten. Mm -hmm. 
I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and that's my life of crime. This podcast series is developed by 48 Hours in partnership with CBS News Radio. Judy Tigart is our executive producer. Nancy Kramer, our executive story editor. Mike Fillet is the series producer-editor. This episode was produced by Luis Geraldo and Warren Serink. Morgan Canty is our associate producer. Craig Swagler is the vice president and general manager of CBS News Radio. Charles E. Pavlunas, the executive vice president of business development and the CFO of CBS News. A special thanks goes to Patrick Flaherty and Judge Evelyn Baker for trusting we'd report this story fairly. And finally, a shout out to you. We owe it all to you, the millions of fans of 48 Hours here in the U.S. and around the world. Don't forget to join me online. I am at EF Moriarty on Twitter, and we are at 48 Hours on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in to CBS News every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern because we're about to begin our 33rd season of crime and justice original reporting on 48 Hours. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.